0: Hello, everyone. It is after two, so we can go ahead and get started. We may still have some more people trickle in. I know it's hard to make it here after lunch, even harder uh, when our bellies are full and we get a little sleepy. But I won't talk softly and I will not lull you to sleep, so
1: that's my
0: promise. But thank you for being here today. I would love it. We're kind of a small group. I feel like we can take just a few moments to kind of get to know each other before we dive in. And if Jesus puts it on your heart to move closer to the front, you can do that. <clears throat> um, you, you can really. Thank you. thank you. Thank you for answering the call of Jesus. Even my own husband moved farther back. <laughs> <right> you. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so um, you all may know a little bit, wow, that is really faded. I put my contact information up there, which I'll (laughs) I'll reference at the end, but um, you may know a little bit about me. I don't know if you guys read my bio or even read the description of the class or if you were just so intrigued by the title that you showed up, but I'll just tell you about myself. Um, So my name is Jen, and um, I live in the Portland, Oregon area, um, Beaverton specifically, We've been there for just over four years. Um, Before that, we were, my husband and I and our our kids, we were here at Pepperdine. Um, I was serving as associate chaplain, and Dave was a therapist in the counseling center, and then kind of transitioned over to a part-time faculty role, and we did that for a little while longer, and then left to go um, up north for me to work uh, with a church, doing associate ministry, and I did that for a little while, and funding dried up, and I'm not doing that anymore. Um, So that ended about a year and a half ago, and I worked in local government, I've been kind of doing a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and I've been writing and speaking and um, doing different things, Um, and it's been great, and I have been just kind of figuring out what ministry looks like now um, outside of a a university or a church, like just kind of floating in the world, what what does that call look like now? And it's actually really fun, and freeing, and um, still very deeply rooted to Churches of Christ and to um, my faith. Um, It's just a lot more creative kind of ministry now. Um, So that's a little bit about me. Um, And I would love to know about you guys. Um, I'm really curious about what brought you here today. And you may not want to say that exactly, but maybe you could um, let us know by a show of hands. Like who is here because you want to help others who might be going through a transition? Okay, so like half of you. And who is here because you find yourself in some sort of transition? Oh, yeah, both. Yay. Okay, awesome. Well, last night, um, as I was telling my husband about what I had planned to share, he said, "So you're going autobiographical?" And it was this innocent observation and question, but I had a moment of panic because I didn't want this to be too much about me or too personal. And I racked my brain trying to think of some other story that I could share instead. But the stories of other people rumbling with their identity, like those are their stories to share and I just have mine to share. Um, so it's a little risky. To walk this path of disclosure and vulnerability when we don't all know each other. I only know a handful of you in the room. Um, It's also hard to talk about identity and the process of becoming without getting kind of personal. So um, this is what God has put on my heart to share with you all today so I am going to trust you to hold space for this conversation and Although I'm doing most of the talking today, I'm going to trust God's spirit to work through all of our stories, um, revealing to us what we need to see and to know and to live into. So my hope for you today is that you would be reminded that your identity is found in Christ as God's beloved child and that you would know and live into the truth that you are who you are becoming. So when we're kids, we are invited to imagine our future selves. Sometimes the question sounds like, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to do? Who might you be? I never really had one thing that I wanted to do, one particular career trajectory. I was you know, jealous of the people who always knew they wanted to be a doctor, or they wanted to do this or that. I didn't have that, but I did have in my mind a pretty clear picture of who I wanted to become future Jen would be married with kids. She would be kind, loving, generous. She would have lots of friends. She would be a person of integrity and honesty, a woman of faith who raises a family of faith. She would definitely keep a nice tidy home Mm
2: -hmm. and
0: she would be happy. She would travel a lot. She would never stop learning. She's actually pretty awesome and I would want to be her friend. But as I grew through adolescence, there were three discernible things that led me off course. Two were aspects of my personality that were already at work when the third one, um, a a crisis of sorts, occurred, which was a defining moment and a turning point and really veered, veered off the path. So first, I would say I had a wandering heart. I was raised in the church, churches of Christ specifically, my whole life. And I was actually raised with the mindset that we were the only real Christians. We were members of the church. Some of you might have grown up with that or you've heard people say they're a member of the church. Um, Any friends that I had who were like Presbyterians or Methodists, unfortunately, they weren't really properly interpreting the Bible and they were following those man-made traditions. Um, I share that to give you a sense of the kinds of Churches of Christ that I grew up in. Pretty strict, maybe even fundamentalist, very conservative, Um, but we loved God, we loved the Bible, we loved each other, we were family. Um, But we could be pretty judgmental when it came to anyone outside of the church. But when someone repented, when someone came into the fold, that was cause for a huge celebration. We really romanticize those stories of conversion. And, um, for me, well, let me say first, um, in those stories of conversion, the really dramatic ones, you know, the bigger, the offense, the greater, the experience of God's grace and forgiveness, you know, the more emotion was wrapped up in it. And I started wondering to myself. What did I need to be forgiven for as a kid raised in the church? You know, I considered my sins kind of petty in light of what some people had come forward at the altar call and confessed. And it's kind of embarrassing to admit it. but we're just laying it all out there. I experienced this thing that I have since learned is kind of common for kids who have been raised in the church. I was a little jealous of other people who had a great testimony, who had like a big conversion story. I see some people shaking their heads, I'm not the only one, thank you, thank you. Um, As I grew through adolescence, I got to the point where I didn't really want to focus on future Jen anymore. That grown up version of myself that I thought I would be one day, she didn't seem all that fun. Um, She was actually pretty straight-laced, just as straight-laced as kid Jen had been. And being raised in the church, I'd been on the straight and narrow. I kind of had a a hint, an inkling, that there was a lot more out there in the world to be explored. I had a lot of passion and energy and ambition, strong desire for adventure, and I didn't know where to channel it. You know, I was pretty young. So that that was the first piece that I had this like adventurous, wandering heart. The next thing was I had a very inquisitive, curious mind. It started at a pretty young age, But in my junior and senior year of high school, that's when my struggle with some of the teachings of the church really came to a head, really became problematic for me. I couldn't reconcile what I was learning in school and in the world with what I had always been taught by the church. The Bible seemed a lot more risky and scandalous and gory and even disturbing than what I had been led to believe. And I started wondering, you know, what, pi- what parts of the Bible were actually history um, and what else might be at work in there? What, what might the future hold for me as a woman in this tradition? Um, were my best or only paths to ministry really missionary work or marrying a minister? Um, what did these seemingly restrictive passages about women mean for me and for my personhood was i less than as some of these passages seem to indicate the few people that i turned to for answers unfortunately weren't really prepared for those questions that i was asking and the more i asked the more their defenses were raised and the more pushback i got the more curious i became i really needed to know what was like big t true um, what parts of my upbringing um, did I want to hang on to, and what might I consider letting go of? So I kind of started looking elsewhere and started drifting a bit. And then the third thing that happened—I um, would maybe call it a broken spirit—during um, that same season, with the you know wandering, adventurous, and starting to really question everything, which is, you know, pretty characteristic of a lot of people's adolescence. We had a a crisis of sorts in our family where my parents, um, in one fell swoop, sat us down as kids, and they shared with us um, a lot of details about our family life and history that were just total shocks to us. Um, I was crushed to learn... Oh, my gosh, I thought I saw you earlier. Hello. Welcome. I was crushed to learn that there... um, that they were having marriage problems that, um, you know, the ground beneath me felt so unsteady. And they told us that their marriage was in such a rough spot. They really weren't sure they were, they were going to make it, um, which really rocked me and and my siblings. I mean, we, um, you know, we, I was like one of just a few people in my friend group whose parents were still together. And I just assumed that was always going to be that way. I didn't have any concept or category in my mind for thinking differently about that. Um, so I was totally devastated. I was not equipped to like process that. I, I didn't know how, you know, how to cope with it. Um, and so all this like heavy information weighing on me in that day, you know, worried about what's gonna happen. Am I gonna have both my parents? You know, is somebody gonna leave? I drove over to my best friend's house um, and her mom was away for the weekend and um, got drunk for the first time. And that, uh, the pain numbing effect of that was, was welcome. And so I spent the, most of the weekend that way. And for the next few weeks, that became the new normal for me. I just um, was distancing myself from my parents. You know, I didn't want to um, confront or accept the reality that they had shared with us, and I did not want to think about possibilities for the future. And so I just started pushing them away. I spent as much time away from home as possible distanced myself from the youth group um, and church friends. I didn't want to deal with those faith questions and struggles, and I certainly assumed there would be some judgment, so just kind of started distancing myself from the things that had once anchored me. Um, Spending more time partying uh, with friends from school, and rather than go into a whole lot more detail there, I'll just say I wandered far enough from the path to make a lot of other stupid, reckless decisions and hurt a lot of people along the way. So that vision of my future self that i mentioned i kind of kept that version of myself like out there in the future and i put it away i kind of tried to protect it as like i'll be that one day um that's who i'll be when i'm all grown up but i'm just going to kind of do whatever i want right now i'm going to live the kind of life i want to live regardless of what i've been taught Um, i don't know what i think about all that and this you know sort of right now Jen said like don't worry we'll get there and that was a big fat lie Um, because I didn't realize that this like right now Jen let's live in the moment and do whatever we want was taking me in the complete opposite direction Um, and not only was that never going to get me to that future vision of myself that I had it was actually going to make it a lot more difficult and painful and take longer to become that person that I knew I was created to be I couldn't live my life in ways that were contrary to who I ultimately wanted to be and just expect that one day I could flip a switch and be the best version of myself live my best life if I continued to kind of keep moving downward and being reckless and being selfish um, I was never gonna be this person that God created me to be we all know that we don't just go to sleep one night as one person and wake up the next morning as somebody totally different we don't um, We wouldn't say that um, on a conscious level, and yet, a lot of times we live like that. Um, You know, we think we can choose who we're going to be right now, and we'll just kind of be somebody else in the future. Like it's, you know, kind of magical thinking that it's going to happen one day. Um, I think that we can sometimes downplay or ignore the fact that our habits and our choices and kind of what we do what kind of information we feed ourselves how we interact with people we just kind of ignore that that's shaping us in a particular way and is it shaping us for the better to be the person that we know we're meant to be or is it not Um, because we are always becoming a certain kind of person you know like time is moving forward we can't stop it and we're always becoming Um, does anyone in here listen to the band Vampire Weekend head's nodding, I love Vampire Weekend so much. Um, okay, so they're not a religious band, but they have this song called yah hey. You guys know that song? <laughs> okay. Um, it's obviously about God and Moses. So the chorus says, through the fire, through the flame, you won't even say your name, only that I am that I am. And one day, that chorus was playing in the background of my mind, and it kind of bumped into this other thing that I heard about our identity and how it's not found in what we do and those things like crashed in my mind and had this aha moment that like we we too are i am like we are i am and our i am is grounded in the great i am um the one who created us in in god's image who knew us who loved us before we were ever a tiny embryo in our mother's wombs Before our educations, before our careers, before our relationships, before all those things that defined us, I am. I am gave us our identity. And of all the ways that God could have referred to God's self, I think it's striking that God used the term I am. It wasn't I do, or I make, or I accomplish no you know no negatives about what god doesn't do it was i am it was a statement of being of personhood and that's our identity as well you know the essence of who we are is our being not our doing as we move throughout our lives these questions of identity continue to surface especially in times of transition with jobs, relationships, culture, moves, life stages—you know, especially uh, moving from high school to college, moving from college into the rest of your life. Um, this, you know, just came up for me again recently as I was transitioning out of church life and into the world, and what's next, you know, and kind of realizing once again how much of my identity I had put in a um, in a profession rather than, you know, how much, how much I was rooted in that aspect of my identity, how much I was looking to employment um, to find my, my sense of who I am and, and what, I, uh, what my worth is in the world. Um, but we're all in process, you know, changing, growing up and older, and the choices that we make today affect who we are tomorrow. I mean, literally, the foods that we eat how much we move our bodies, um, how much sleep we get, the strength of our social connections, all of that stuff together, affects and shapes who we are today and tomorrow. Um, So you are already now, in a sense, the person that you are becoming. But some of you might not believe me all the way. Some of you might think that you can kind of just continue with habits and practices that you know are not really all that good for you and pretend like they're not really affecting you all that much. Some of you might think you can be one person today and a different person tomorrow, magically. Some of you might think that all the baggage from your childhood can just be left on the curb, doesn't need to be processed or worked through, it's not going to affect who you are. Some of you might be tempted to compartmentalize the different parts of your life almost as different identities. The you you are at work, the you you are at school, the you you are around these kind of friends or those kind of friends, the you you are around your family and so on. Some of you might believe that lie like I did, you know, thinking you can set aside that person that you wanna be one day, the best divine image bearing version of yourself put it out there in the future and instead of striving to be that kind of person you'll go in a different direction for whatever reason you know experimenting getting into trouble maybe you never get caught maybe it'll be a big departure or maybe just slightly off course at some point you'll kind of wake up and realize that this isn't who you wanted to be it's not who god created you to be and i hope that day comes sooner than later I hope that when you do wake up, you will um, remember and rest in the knowledge that it's never too late, um, that you're never beyond redemption, that God's been there the whole time and has been with you. And I hope and pray that most of you won't believe the lie like I did. You will be much wiser, whatever your age, and instead you'll believe the truth that you are, who you are becoming, and that that truth will really shape and inform smallest to the biggest decisions of your life so we're constantly presented with situations that test our integrity that shape our character and who we are becoming sometimes it's a little thing like a cashier who gives you too much change and you have this split-second decision to make about whether to correct that mistake and give the money back Sometimes it's a little lie that seems harmless, it's gonna benefit you, doesn't seem like it's gonna be bad for anybody else. But our response in each of those moments is shaping our character in a particular way. When we keep the extra change or we tell the lie, it gets even easier the next time with bigger deceptions. But when we give the money back and we refuse to tell that little harmless lie, it gets easier the next time with situations with even bigger consequences. It's not just um, about these temptations that we say no to. It's also about listening to those impulses and those spirit nudges, you know, saying yes to those things. Simple things, really simple everyday things, like slowing down when you're on the freeway to make room for the car to get in front of you. It doesn't seem like a big deal, but you're making space for someone else in your life and you're kind of letting yourself not be first. Um, and not get there first um, stopping what you're doing or stopping where you're going for a moment to help someone else these little seemingly like tiny things can really shape our character and when our hearts are nudged in that way and instead of ignoring it we respond doing the thing that kindness says to do we become more compassionate people when we follow those divine promptings we become more like our creator and we become who we were created to be. So you've heard about my own experiences of straying from the path, kind of ignoring or not realizing that the person I was becoming was not who I was created to be, was not the person that I wanted to be. And I want to share with you briefly a story of someone who actually consistently made thoughtful decisions about becoming a particular kind of person, actually becoming the person that God created him to be. Um, probably most of you remember if you were tuned into what was going on in the world several years ago um, that there was an American doctor working in Liberia who contracted Ebola you know lots of news coverage Um, so his name's Kent and we were close when I was um, in graduate school at ACU and the Kent that I knew 15 years ago was a selfless follower of Jesus who's just a wonderful human being Um, and so that may or may not be something that was, you know, really reflected in the media. I don't know what kind of um, image people got, but, you know, when I saw that hitting the news, it was like, well, it was like, well, yes, of course, this is what he would do because it's Kent. I mean, this is just the kind of person that he was, and he didn't become that way by accident. You know, his life has been on a particular trajectory for years now, and all those little choices add up to him being this remarkable person. A person who is concerned with the health and well-being of others, even on his deathbed as he's not sure he's going to make it. And if he had chosen to set aside his convictions and calling, just kind of do whatever he wanted, I'll be a better person when I'm older, we never would have heard about him. Like that story wouldn't be there. But people like Kent understand and live that truth that you are the person you're becoming. They make choices now for peace, for friendship, for honesty and integrity, for love of others, for putting others' needs ahead of their own. And those choices help propel them forward into the person that they were created to be. They prepare them for those big challenges, you know, making those little decisions prepares them to answer the question, will you serve in a place that's dangerous? Will you live below your means? Will you humble yourself? We each face really unique challenges. You know, the questions that you're asked are different from the ones that I'm asked, different from the ones that your friends are asked. My journey away from my values only lasted a few years, um, thankfully, but even still, um, I and others still bear the scars of things that I did and said. Over time, um, through the big decisions and the tiny, seemingly inconsequential ones, we anchor ourselves to God, um, to the way of God, and in that way really find our identity in God. You don't become who you are by accident. By being intentional with the choices that you make every day, you're moving in the direction of who you were created to be. The choices that you're making now, the choices that you're making your whole life, those are shaping who you are and who you're becoming. In uncertain times of transition and instability, it's easy to lose focus and head in the wrong direction. I heard um, recently a preacher was talking about times of transition um, being a time when your idols are really clear. He said when you are in between um, institutions, um, that you are looking for another idol, um, another place to norm and inform. He just said it becomes really clear that you you know what you were idolizing and what you are looking to start idolizing, um, which I thought was an interesting way to to think about that. But I think. When we're in transition, and we can feel like we are floating. We're not really sure what's next um, in this relationship or this work situation, or what's next in life. Um, it can be easy to be drawn to things that are um, off course for us. But we have to choose each day to live into the person that we know in our deepest, in the deepest part of ourselves, like who we know we were created to be. Choose to live into that. Um, so that we will continue to become the beautiful human being that we were created to be. And when I talk about who we were created to be, I hope it's clear by now I'm not talking about a career or a profession or even a vocation or calling. I'm really talking about your character and your ethics and values, putting your whole self in service of God's mission of redemption, whatever shape that takes and wherever you are talking about a particular way of being in the world, that is obviously the way of Jesus, the way of love, peace, wholeness, putting others first, deep communion with God, deep relationship and community with others, welcoming those who have been thrown away or looked down on by society, and this way looks different for everyone because we have a unique combination of gifts, experiences, personalities, struggles, desires. But that is my hope and prayer for you all today. So I wanna pause here and start to kind of think um, about reflections. Think about how we apply this. Think about elements of your own story and um, you can share as deeply or as shallowly as you would like, but I wanna hear what, I think we could all benefit to hear kind of what is this stir in you? What, what are, what's coming up to the surface?
3: liked what you said about um, how in a lot of our traditions there is a glamorization of like the uh, the dramatic conversion and mm-hmm. as you said that I feel like in my head it was connected maybe maybe indirectly to that procrastination of the choices I need to be making mm-hmm. and I'm not yet almost like that dramatic conversion uh, of all my micro habits—like it's probably gonna happen next week. You, you know what I mean? Like it, almost yeah. like there's a connection between the dramatic conversion, which it does happen. I mean, we've got the story of of Saul turning to Paul and all that. So it happens with some people, but like, but maybe it's a lie that that's like what I need to re- wait on and rely on because it's almost enabling the procrastination mm-hmm. while I wait for that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the the life of discipleship, kind of in general, is not as glamorous or as exciting or dramatic as we might like it to be, as it is in Acts, you know? Right. Yeah. So a little more under the radar. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably. We had my element in
2: here. Obviously the oldest one in here. <laughs> but I'm here to tell you there's still time to change it. But I've kind of, this year titled I, I've struggled all my life with being told you can't do that, you're a girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the whole and been in a very conservative Church of Christ upbringing. Mm-hmm. And I think in a lot of ways I used that to not develop because I was shy and you know speaking in public, praying in public, what if I could just say, "Well, that's the men's job you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but I've come in later years to really believe that that's one reason our church surprised our failed it is because we've treated our women as a subclass mm-hmm. and so. I'm struggling with whether if I move forward with some of my ideas, if I just um, create more issues,
3: mm.
2: or if it's God calling to say, I need to push forward
0: mm.
2: So that's kind of what I don't know if that's even the slant as you all are going in here or anything, but uh, it just seems like I've said in some of the ladies' leadership things here, and it's like, that's what I've been thinking. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I thought, you know. But you know, people. I'm, I'm from Mobile, Alabama. That's where I live now. Bible okay. Belt, conservative, Church of Christ. So mm-hmm. it's not something that's uh, it's an easy thing to deal with. And even yeah. my husband, I just remarried two years ago. And he's Church of Christ preacher. For, was he's a lot more open in his ideas. Uh huh. But still, uh, it's—I mean—the idea of a woman as a shepherd or an elder uh, is—we don't think a lot in that area. Yeah. (laughs) So there's. So I'm just trying to. um, I just thought this discussion might uh, be. Yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much for being here. Yeah, I think um, more and more uh, women in Churches of Christ, or with ties to Churches of Christ, um, who feel a, a prompting, a calling to ministry, who um, that's you know what they want to study or engage in, I think more and more of us are finding creative ways to do that. Um, maybe not even more creative ways, but that we're naming it, because I think women throughout Uh, our tradition throughout the ages women have always been doing ministry we just didn't call it that exactly (laughs) yeah and so now more of us are saying (laughs) and more of us are claiming it and saying this is ministry you know whether that's in the church or outside of the walls of the church Um, so it's a it's a fun time to be alive
1: Jen I think you presented an unpacked really has some meaningful systemic application. When you talk about you are who you are becoming, whether it's your family, mm-hmm. your church, your person, right, who you are choosing to be, the choices that you're making at organizational level, mm-hmm. predict, create who you'll be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think that's a really insightful um, comment I thank you for. And thank you for for a robust framework mm. to allow that, that kind of insight.
0: Thank you. Are you, um, I sense you're maybe thinking about this from a congregational perspective, like the church that we are becoming?
1: Uh, from a congregational perspective, from a movement, even from, from the standpoint of... Uh, a post Christian religious uh, milieu. Mm-hmm. Uh, just there are so many levels to that application. I think you can really hone in or you can scope out wide mm-hmm. and still apply uh, the same logic of language. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, I, I just I, I think the pairing was really, really helpful, really generative.
0: Good. Thank you.
3: So you are who you are becoming, and we are who we are becoming. Like it's true on all those levels. Mm-hmm.
2: Right.
0: right. Yeah.
3: I think um, one reason why I came in this class is because I wanted to speak. <laughs> but I also really like the title alone, and um, I think for me right now with little kids. I often find myself thinking in the future of, I can't wait for this. <laughs> or um, must be nice to, you know, finally go on like vacations with just, you know, your spouse and like leave the kids home or something. <laughs> yeah. Um. So there are a lot of things that I kind of look in the future like, I'll get there. I'll get there. Mm-hmm. And I think in some ways that's a good coping, <laughs> like, um, mechanism to, you know, with two little kids, like, for my sanity. But also, I want to now still be, like, a great mom and a patient person, and I, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I hope that I become more patient, too, in the future, but that still shouldn't stop me from being, like, who I want to be now. Mm-hmm. And even though it might be harder, that's probably even more important for me to, you know, try and um, be the person that I want to be or be the mom that I want to be. Because mm-hmm. um, even if I'm not seeing results or, um, you know, every day it's it's different. Um, you know, like you said, it doesn't happen every night and it's just like one